You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Researchers are now finding that your gut microbiome, the collection of trillions of commensal bacteria that live in your entire digestive tract, may be the most important player in the endocrine system. Studies show that the gut bugs act like a conductor at the center of the orchestra, leading your symphony of hormones. Not only does the gut microbiome produce hormones, it can also signal to your endocrine glands, letting them know how much of each hormone should be created and released, including thyroid hormones, melatonin, stress hormones like cortisol, and even the female hormone estrogen. Today on Wellness for Life, we are going to look at how gut bacteria can change your estrogen levels, why it's important for women's health, and to live cancer-free. Let's welcome Dr. Nalini Chilkov. She's the founder of IntegrativeCancerAnswers.com and the author of the best-selling book, 20, 30, excuse me, 32 Ways to Outsmart Cancer, Create a Body Where Cancer Cannot Thrive. As a leading authority on integrative cancer care, immune enhancement, optimal nutrition, and wellness medicine, Dr. Nalini is a highly regarded speaker and expert resource to the media. So glad to have you back on Wellness for Life, Dr. Nalini. Thank you so much for inviting me. You bet. You bet. Love, love chatting with you here. And before we you know, go deep into uh, estrogen and the gut microbiome, tell us a little bit about yourself and your Outsmart Cancer System. Well, about uh, 35 years ago, both of my parents were diagnosed with cancer in their 50s, and that got me interested not only in how to help them, but how to really prevent what appeared to be a risk in our family, and that got me started, and over this period of time and working with thousands of patients, I developed a system called the Outsmart Cancer System that's really based on having a health model around cancer, not just being fascinated by the tumor and the disease, but really looking at the ecology of our whole biosystem and how we can actually create a body that is not hospitable to cancer development or progression. Well, then, you know, if that's the case, it's really not about waiting until you have cancer. It's about prevention and what you can do. So this outsmart cancer system is really for everyone. Is, is that correct? Well, it's for everyone who wants to have health and is aware that we live in an environment that has created the reality that one in two people in the United States will be diagnosed with some type of cancer in their lifetime. So if you're sitting at a dinner table, half the people at that table. Yeah, that's, you know, it keeps on getting worse, you know, over the years. Like when I was younger, uh, cancer was just not heard of. That's um, right. And, that's you know, right. we've been in practice, you and I, over 30 years now. So we've seen the entire terrain change when it comes to cancer. So it's so important that we're talking about, um, you know, today it's about what we're going to share is, is about gut health and how the female hormone is so important, the estrogen hormone. So why is it so important that we need to pay attention to this? Well, number one, estrogen is a natural hormone. It's found both in women's bodies and in small amounts in men's bodies. And it's what we call a proliferative hormone, a hormone that causes growth. And so uh, if we have an exposure that's excess of what nature designed us for, then we're going to have the possibility of 
tumors growing uh, by stimulating estrogen-sensitive cells. And this is not just women's cancers. What a lot of people don't realize is that there are uh, estrogen receptors that respond to estrogen in our bodies uh, on colon cancer cells, pancreatic cancer cells, brain cancer cells, not just uterine cancer, breast cancer, cervical cancer, but also prostate cancer is driven by estrogen as well as other hormones. So uh, it has a big impact on top of which our environment is filled with chemicals that mimic estrogen and can also stimulate this kind of growth in estrogen sensitive cells. So everyone needs to be concerned about it. Right, right. I mean, you know, estrogen is a natural part of our health. So it's not like we want to drive down our estrogen level. I mean, you know, because women have estrogen all up to 50 years old, mid 50s. But they do say that if you've had longer periods, or I would say, the more number of cycles that you've had, the likelihood of cancer, it goes higher. Meaning if you've started your menstrual cycle at an early age and end at a later age, the likelihood is higher because you're more exposed to estrogens. Yeah, you've had more exposure and then you have to think about if you have been in an environment where you might be exposed to more plastics or you've used cosmetics and personal care products preserved with parabens. Uh, Women have a lot of exposure to uh, estrogen-like chemicals. And so you have to think of all the input that the body is getting in order to really understand what increases risk. So one of those is, did you uh, have a long fertile period between your first menstrual cycle and your last one at menopause? And did you have zero pregnancies or many pregnancies. And all of these things determine our sort of body burden. So it isn't really only about exposure, but what we really want to understand in this talk today is how do we eliminate and detoxify estrogen from the body? And how does the gut actually either make that a problem or actually um, work as an efficient system? Yeah, let's go into that. Let's dive into the the gut-estrogen connection. So when we um, produce our own estrogen in our own bodies or ingest food that has estrogen in it, like uh, animal proteins and animal fats, remember, we always eat the products of the female animal. And so we have estrogen that's naturally going to be in our system. And then that passes through the liver. Once the estrogen is in our bloodstream, it passes through the liver and it needs to be transformed by specific enzymes in the liver to be able to be excreted out of the body. And that happens through two doorways. Some of the estrogen ends up uh, being filtered by the kidney and coming out in the urine, but most of it gets transformed in the liver, is excreted into the intestines with the bile from the gallbladder and in the intestines is where it makes or breaks whether you recirculate your estrogen or excrete it. So if you have a high fiber diet, you're going, that estrogen is going to bind to the fiber in your gut and it will be uh, excreted in the stool. If you have a healthy microbiome, then the estrogen that was transformed and comes out in the bile gets excreted. But if your microbiome, the bacteria that live in your gut is out of balance, 
then you may have an increase in an enzyme called, called beta-glucuronidase. And this enzyme uncouples the estrogen that is ready to be leaving the body and it frees it up to go back into the circulation. And so you get another hit from the same estrogen. So your gut determines your, some of your lifetime exposure to estrogen. Uh, for our listeners, um, what she's saying is that getting back absorbed is that in the intestines, the large intestine, there is a channel called the portal vein. It, it attaches um, uh, that goes from the uh, large intestine into the actual liver. So that's how it can get reabsorbed. And you're just constantly dumping it out like you're hoping that it's going to go out of your stool, but it's going to be reabsorbed. And that's what uh, she's talking about. This is super important. And you mentioned about the bacteria. If there are uh, problems of your microbiome, you've got dysbiosis. Uh, what can our listeners do to see if they've got the dysbiosis or they've got the bad bacteria that could cause uh, this enzyme to go up? Well, there are stool tests that are available that can look at the ecology of your gut, of all the organisms that are living in your gut, and also the presence of this enzyme, beta-glucuronidase. And I'm always interested in that in patients who either have a family or personal history of estrogen-driven cancers. It's very important to take a look at that. It determines whether you have higher risk. If you have more beta-glucuronidase, you're going to have a higher risk of recirculating your estrogen. Mm, which lab do you use for that beta-glucuronidase enzyme? I primarily use uh, Genova Laboratory, but there are many other laboratories. There's Diagnostic mm. Solutions, and um, those are the two I use the most. I think they're the best right now, and, and any um, natural medicine clinician can order that test. Mm, great. You mentioned about having a high fiber diet, which obviously that means all the different vegetables out there, soluble and soluble. Uh, but also, you also mentioned about the good bacteria. And I am be being a you know kimchi queen here. I talk a lot yes. about kimchi <laughs> and fermented food. So um, tell us what you like. Well, one of the the um, lifestyle habits that helps to promote. Uh, a healthy intestinal ecology that has a lot of the bacteria that help with the estrogen detoxification. Uh, number one, you can take a supplement, but the most important thing to do is to include fermented foods in your diet and what we call soluble fibers. And these are actually the fuel of the healthy bacteria. And it's really pretty easy to do. But one of the things I want to make sure we say is that there's two of the healthy bacteria that are particularly important in estrogen transformation and detoxification. And so if you're going to take a supplement with this concern, you would look for one that has lactobacillus plantarum and also lactobacillus GG. Those two really promote a healthy uh, estrogen detoxification. But in the diet itself, uh, there are every, every culture has traditional fermented foods in it. 
so a year of the kimchi queen, so that <laughs> uh, fermented vegetables in the Korean tradition, but any uh, culture that has traditional fermented vegetables like sauerkraut. Uh, in India, they have kanji, which is fermented beets and carrots and mustard seeds. In Europe, they have sauerkraut and then uh, fermented dairy products like yogurt and kefir. And in Eastern Europe, there's uh, beet kvass. And you can either make these or um, today, at least in California, all the natural food stores have big sections of fermented foods. And so that can be a source as well. You really only need to have like a tablespoon of it a day. You don't need a big serving of it. You just need to inoculate and introduce into your gut these healthy bacteria. But if you don't also have these soluble fibers, those bacteria don't colonize and thrive and and, um, produce a, a really rich environment. So we want to look at what foods are sources of soluble fibers. And uh, in most people's diets, you have the uh, onion and garlic family, as well as the cabbage and broccoli family. So any of the vegetables from those are easy to obtain and also eat on a regular basis. But also asparagus falls into that category, Uh, beetroot, fennel, uh, nuts and seeds, Jerusalem artichokes, chicory. These are um, all kinds of foods that if you eat a high fiber diet that includes these vegetable families, then you will have the type of fiber that really promotes uh, an ecology in your gut that helps to efficiently detoxify and excrete estrogen. Mm, That's perfect. You know, um, a lot of us out there have already gut dysbiosis or that you have, you know, uh, digestive issues, trouble digesting foods, having a lot of gas and bloating. So it's important that when you start to introduce fermented foods, you do it little at a time, just like Dr. Nalini mentions, a tablespoon a day or a tablespoon a day or two, uh, uh, um, twice a day, that will be a really good way of inoculating. But also all of these soluble fibers are so good for you. And what it does is it binds to uh, the toxins and the um, um, estrogen metabolites, it's important that you also don't only eat all that because you're going to get a lot of gas and bloating in the beginning of your um, introduction. So do it slowly, little by little. And then as you transition, then you're going to start to feel, oh, I'm having great bowel movements. I've got a lot less gas and I'm feeling a lot better, a lot healthier. So, you know, also that lots of herbs and spices contribute to this healthy estrogen detoxification. And so herbs and spices that have aromatic oils that have a a smell and aroma to them um, also promote good estrogen detoxification, but also deal with gas and bloating and enhanced digestion as well. So you can cook with things like rosemary and uh, oregano and thyme and uh, turmeric and sage, uh, things like that can be added to the food to help not only with the gas and bloating, but to contribute to this healthy ecology in your gut. Mm, absolutely. I mean, rosemary itself is a natural antimicrobial agent, and you don't need a lot, right? Just a little bit no. sprinkled here and there. No, it's really, if you look at your spice cabinet as a pharmacy and learn to cook with foods, then you have not only more flavorful, interesting food, but your food becomes medicine. 
Yeah, exactly. I love all those spices. So um, let's talk about soy. I mean, when it comes to estrogens and xenobiotics, uh, xenoestrogens, there's also a term called phytoestrogens. And I know that as we go into the uh, the menopause, often these phytoestrogens are super helpful for women relieving of their menopausal symptoms, such as hot flashing and night sweats. So talk to us about soy. So there's so much confusion about soy and, you know, everyone, both in the medical community and the general public has wondered, should, is soy safe in terms of the fact that it has a lot of plant estrogens in it? And if we look at at studies done in parts of the world where soy is a dominant part of the diet, such as in Asia, you see dramatically lower rates of estrogen-driven cancers. So that is... uh, one piece of information that's noteworthy and that has was studied extensively by uh, Dr. Colin Campbell. Now, uh, subsequently, extensive research has been done on this. And here's the thing to understand. In our body, there are two types of estrogen receptors on our cells. And so there's this lock and key relationship between either estrogen and uh, estrogen receptor A or B, or a plant estrogen such as genistein that is found in soy. So the question is, if we eat plant estrogens, do we increase estrogen stimulation or do we not? And so what we've learned is that when we have diets that are high in plant estrogens, and soy is one of the most high in plant estrogens, we actually see less estrogen-driven cancers because those plant estrogens are what we call weak estrogens in comparison to our own natural estrogens. So it gives, actually dampens down the amount of stimulation we get from our own hormones. But also the uh, plant hormones, plant estrogens in soy actually bind to receptors that protect our brain and our bone, but are not stimulating the tissue in our uterus and in our breast tissue. So it turns out that soy is actually protective. That's huge, you know, because there's so many people out there in the health industry, a lot of smart medical um, health advocates that just poo-poos the soy because of that. You know, they well, really. Well, I think people are not informed. You know, people th- are not that, exactly. But I would like to ask you: Does the soy also uh, give a negative feedback, so that if those receptors are bound, then our body negatively it, it goes back to our uh, cells that produce estrogen? Does it downregulate the estrogen production? Did you? I don't think I heard that, but no, I'm asking you that question. It doesn't. So, you know, you, we would ask the question, if people, if do women in China have less fertility than women in the West because of soy? No. Right. Thank you. That's really important too. Okay. Well, gosh. So um, now that we know, uh, let's, let's talk more actually about the cancers that are, are uh, higher in women when it comes to breast cancer. So, um, what is it that we can do? I know we talked about food rich in, in soluble fiber, making sure you get the right spices, fermented f- uh, drinks and food that um, have a lot more probiotics in them. How about specifically for breast cancer? Anything? Well, what you want to think about is this question. 
what causes a body where cancer cannot thrive? So there are certain uh, nutritional supplements and vitamins and, uh, and what we call phytonutrients that do change estrogen metabolism and protect our tissue. So one of the most important things, cancer is inherently an inflammatory syndrome. And so we want to make sure we eat an anti-inflammatory diet. And that is a diet that is high in plants and all kinds of colors, eating the rainbow, but also high in healthy fats and oils. And so uh, we want to have plenty of of olive oil and avocados in our diet and nuts and seeds, the healthy fats and oils. And also, uh, we want to make sure that we get foods that are rich in beta carotene, which is the bright orange and yellow foods. This has a positive impact on breast cancer, making sure that your vitamin D levels are healthy in terms of uh, vitamin D levels and a high level of protection from breast cancer, the blood level should be around 75 for 25 OH vitamin D, and this is an easy blood test to order. Uh, most people have uh, vitamin D levels around 30 or 40 if they're not supplementing with vitamin D. And then the omega-3 oils, the EPA, DHA fish oils that come from cold water fish, but are also found in walnuts and flax seeds. And also you can take a supplement of those. Those are the big levers. And so uh, people also who uh, eat more plant food will have lower rates of all cancers. Uh, what's interesting, vegetarian women eliminate two to three times more estrogen in their stool than do women who are omnivores, who eat uh, animal products and fats also. So just tipping the diet to be more plants will actually protect you. Uh, tell me, what, how do you feel about the salt factor when it comes to cancer? Well, I think that's very individual because um, salt metabolism is governed by genetics. So we need to understand who's more vulnerable to exposure to salt. So, and when you have a, a, a functional medicine, natural medicine uh, care provider, you can look at that. But there are studies that show that increased salt in the diet actually can promote cancer. And we don't really know why that is so. But I, I, I caution people to um, stay in a middle path around salt because um, in a climate where we live, we live in a very hot, dry climate, and you need sodium in order to maintain balance. So I think uh, it's really important to understand individually. If you have high blood pressure that's linked to how you metabolize salt, then you will have to reduce it. But if you don't have that problem and you live in a hot, dry climate, you need a little bit. You need a little mm, bit. Thank so, you. Um, and if you're undergoing uh, surgery or chemotherapy or radiation therapy, you're actually going to lose minerals. And so you need to make sure you don't restrict minerals that are essential to life. So I, I just I think it's important not to get into black and white thinking about mm. a, a mineral like sodium, which is essential to life, and to be careful. Uh, Very good. To not over restrict it. Very good. And if you're eating a, a great deal of plant-based foods, you're going to get a lot of potassium, which is the one the mineral that balances out the sodium. 
Yes, and uh, then I always, people ask me, what, where should I get potassium? And I just say, if, some, if you're eating a lot of green and colorful food, you're getting plenty of potassium. Yes, that's right. Uh, I want to, before we're done, talk about resveratrol. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about supplements and vitamin mm-hmm, D mm-hmm, is important, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fish oils um, uh, and omega-3s and all that. So let's talk about resveratrol because I know it's, it's a big part of your uh, Outsmarting Cancer program. Absolutely. Well, resveratrol comes from the, primarily from the skins of dark purple and dark red fruits and berries. And um, so that's why there's the red wine prescription in France for your heart because resveratrol is high in red wine, but we can take it in a supplement and it actually acts as Uh, not only a super antioxidant, which is very important to protect all cells, uh, but also antioxidants protect the mitochondria. And it's the mitochondria, the little organelle that's the energy factory inside the cell that also is very sensitive to oxidative stress, the impact of free radical electrons. And so uh, resveratrol protects the mitochondria, but it also impacts the amount of energy a cell can make And it also acts as an aromatase inhibitor. And what that means is that it prevents your body from transforming uh, the building blocks of hormones into estrogen. And so uh, if you eat a diet that has foods and plant chemicals like genistein from soy is also an aromatase inhibitor and resveratrol is a very powerful aromatase inhibitor, then you also lower how estrogen is is built inside your tissue. Mm, God, that's super important. I mean, what are the levels that one should take as a preventive? Well, I always talk about the difference between a nutritional dose of a supplement and a therapeutic dose. So if you're just looking to be healthy, you can take 500 to 1,000 milligrams of resveratrol. But if you actually have breast cancer risk or you're a breast cancer survivor, you should take a minimum of 2,000 milligrams a day. Some of my patients take 5,000 milligrams a day. Mm. But I will caution you, um, patients who have a history of a uh, type of cancer called lymphoma, should not take resveratrol. So um, you really, if you're going to go to high doses, you want to do that under supervision of a knowledgeable care provider. Mm, thank you. Oh, wow. Such great information, Dr. Lini. Where can we find more information about you and your work? Well, um, I have a website called integrativecanceranswers.com. And there's a lot of free information there for patients and families whose lives have been touched by cancer. And if you um, go to integrativecanceranswers.com slash wellness2020, then you would come to a link to download a cheat sheet uh, on your gut and healthy estrogen detoxification and elimination that has lists of all these foods and supplements on it. And that's integrativecanceranswers.com slash wellness2020. That's our Thank guess. you. Thank you so much, Dr. Nolini. We'll have that in the show notes so that you can download uh, the, uh, the cheat sheet. I actually downloaded it. It's fantastic. And um, it's going to help you help you understand how to 
detoxify and eliminate estrogens out of your body. Thank you, Dr. Nalini. Such great information. Thank you for listening to this show. I know you've learned a great deal of valuable information for you and your family. So do share the show with them. It can change your life for the better. And please subscribe if you haven't already so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. If you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. And my contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.